hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Hello and welcome to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. My name is Toby Haydock. I know that's that sinking feeling when you get a Doctor Who DVD or box set. You go, oh God, it's that prick again. Well, I've invaded your favourite podcast as well. It's a hamster with a ubiquitous <laughs> Z-list anorak uh, here to spoil it all. But thank goodness we have the Hoona versus Rylan, Joe Ford. Rylan, <laughs> yeah, I love Rylan, and you remind me of Rylan a bit with your lovely oh, you. energy and delivery. Um, <laughs> for, fortunately, uh, yes, R- um, <laughs> Rylan, Joe is here <laughs> to uh, to 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 assure you that all things are all right, and hopefully to stop me going off into metaphors that don't quite end or dropping in facts that you really couldn't give a shit about. Gosh, oh. it's quite it's quite it's quite it's quite freeing being on this, Joe. I don't have to. I can say things I wouldn't say anywhere else and, and they'll all be against me. But anyway, there we go. Hello, Joe. I hate to tell you this. Oh, I don't. I love to tell you this. But every time I release an episode with you on it, my stats take a massive spike. So what you've oh. said there is essentially a load of bullshit. Oh, it's masochists. <laughs> or, or, or they're trying to see if they can find a clue as to where I live so they can come and nobble me, knock me off, uh, get rid of me. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd be sick of me by now, I think, if I... I'm not on the season twenty box set that has just been announced. There's not a, there's not a trace of me anywhere. You I can breathe can again. No, it's been cancelled now. <laughs> oh, that looks enticing, doesn't it? Like, that's uh, great. It. Yeah, I think it's going to be fabulous. Um, I've seen I've seen a couple of the bits that are that are going to be on it, and uh, they're great. Yeah, I think it's lovely. And there's loads of stuff I haven't seen that I'm really looking forward to. I'm so glad they got Martin Clunes on it. I think that's terrific. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I didn't know about that there's a, yet another version of the five doctors. I think I think every 10 years with the technology available, there should be another version of the five. Oh, we talking about this yesterday. I, surely in 10 years time for the for the 70th, they'll be able to. Um, what's that? What's that thing that they do? Uh, AI thing. Um, it's not only fans. That's a different thing. What's the <laughs> thing that you do when you where, where deep fake where you could put William? They could put William Hartnell in instead of Richard Herndl. You could actually have. William Hartnell in the five doctors. We're on the way there, aren't we? Yeah. They'll be able to do that in 10 years' time. Easy. Oh, do you know what, though? This is appalling to say, but Richard Herndl was my first first doctor. Oh, I love Richard Herndl. I wouldn't, I, I, it would have to be an alternative version. I wouldn't, I, 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 I can, I can do some of his lines. Yeah. I wonder what happened to the other. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, I've always envied the way he, Gamely tries to eat that bit of pineapple. Oh, um, dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> but um, uh, as easy as pie, as oh, I mean, as all of that. Um, but um, I, you know, just as an exercise in going, well, what would they, you know, had had Hartnell still been around, and let's because he he is different from Hartnell, uh, oh, yeah. but but I didn't know that at the time because as like you, he was he was pretty much all we had to go on. He certainly was what my my image of Hartnell, what, he was he was certainly how I imagined Hartnell to have been. Um, but it would be an interesting exercise if you could if you could actually insert an actual Hartnell in there. I think, you know, every time they do an interpretation of Hartnell, they just forget how funny and charming he was. Yeah. Yeah. Trey as an old grump. Yeah. I think I think and I think that's partially because all the interviews that were done, you know, those, those first interviews we ever had of people talking about Doctor Who, I think people maybe mistook William Hartnell 
for his doctor, you know, that I think he was quite grumpy. And um, and I and I think there was a sort of crossover. I mean, I, it still happens now when I've interviewed people when, you know, I remember Michael Bryant saying, well, you've got to remember, Toby, that William Hartnell was very old. And you have to go, no, no he wasn't. He, he was he was in his late 50s. Um, so, you know, I think he projected a certain image as well that 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 influences the way that people remember him. I believe Paul McGann is currently older than William Hartner was when he started as Doctor Who. Is that right? Oh, much older. Yeah, William Hartner yeah. was fifty-five when he when he started as Doctor Who. Drinking from the eternal fountain of youth, Paul McGann still looks thirty somehow. He, he does, but they, you know, people in those days they had uh, they had worse diets, harder lives, terrible and, teeth, and <laughs> terrible, and had and had all been in a war. You know, I think that, <laughs> uh, I think that takes it out of you. It prematurely uh, ages you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yes, um, but uh, uh, yeah, we we have we I, I think we have many more versions of the five doctors to come. <laughs> My other half is so excited for that, but above anything else, because that nineties one with those wibbly triangles that came down, you know, CGI triangles back yeah. in infancy, it was the most exciting thing in the world for him. So he doesn't care about any of the extra feet. He don't care about any of it. He just wants the mo- modern CGI effects on the five doctors. Yeah, new new time triangle. That's what we get. We get a different one every. You'll be able to judge what era you're living in by the time triangle that you remember. And Uh, the countdown starts now as to when they announce the next box set. Oh yeah, yeah, Uh, yes, I know what that is. (laughs) I'm 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 on that one. Sorry, everyone. I'm I'm there ruining that one for you. But never mind. Um, Now, Con, I defy you to find a segue from what we're talking about into Last of the Time Lords. Well, we've just announced the last of the DVD box sets for now. It's not. No, that's terrible. It's not the last of the DVD, but the latest of the it's not latest of the Time Lords, the new release of the Time Lords. (laughs) Um, Well, from the five doctors to the from the ah, from the five doctors with new CGI to the old doctor almost made it entirely out of CGI. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's tenuous but i'll take it uh it's uh yes it's um it's the last of the time lords which mm-hmm. is a great title mm-hmm. uh and carries on and we're trying to get to the now i don't know if you remember listeners but last time we loved sound of drums but the specter was hanging over us was that at the time this was deemed to be less satisfactory than perhaps previous season finales and um, we couldn't, for the life of us, having watched Sound of Drums, work out where our feelings about that had come from, apart from the the, the stuff we talked about about John Sims' master, who uh, which is a which is a, a an interpretation that provokes a lot of sort of internal conflict and conversation. Um, but it, it worked; it very much worked in what we what we saw last week, didn't it? Uh, didn't it, Joe? So it'll be interesting to see if the stuff in this episode that makes you go, ah, that's why people came out of this season. Or or is it just that Doctor Who fans are never bloody happy and uh, always have an eye on worrying about whether other people will like it, that we forget to like it ourselves? I think there's two major objections in fandom about this episode. And fandom, that's very general, uh, you know, from the people that don't like it. And that is the Dobby Doctor. Yeah. And the ending with the Doctor coming down in a blink oh. of light. Yeah, so Doctor Who's Dobby and Jesus. 
which is not yeah. what I figured after watching the sound of drums where we were heading. Yeah, that's very true. Yes, I will be interested to, and I, I but I, and I know we've had lots of um, feedback on Twitter, and I sort of scrolled through, but I deliberately, but but there seemed to be some sort of fairly heated responses as well to people who had a, a sort of visceral dislike of uh, of elements of this. So I will be I will be interested to see when you read those out um, how they chime with mm. what we've watched. But interesting that it can still stir up um, that that kind of response even now because quite often things that don't sit easily with you at the time over the years you go oh i don't know why i ever had a problem with, with that and i think this is definitely one of those for me i've i've as i say, i was slightly there was some niggle at the time and i can't remember what it was but every time since that i've i've really enjoyed it i love the the urban thriller element and the dystopian stuff and the the underground rebellion stuff and all of that that's very much my kind of doctor who um so I will be interested to see because I, you know, you can read criticisms of something that you like and go, yeah, no, okay, fair enough. I can, I can, I can get where they're coming from. So that will be an interesting coda to our own watch. I think they're both, both of those things are very bold, creative decisions to make. And I do think the show should always be bold and not just yeah. go down the obvious route. So now I kind of admire them rather than like them. I, I admire that he went there um well let's press play let's find out okay uh are you gonna count us in i will in five four three two one i can't get the rylan thing out of my head thank you <laughs> oh hang on uh what, what start program oh shall i pause yeah yeah it's it jumped in in a funny place then uh so let me let me just go back. Sometimes it tries to pick up from where you left off. Uh, right, I've I've paused it on the opening, on the opening shot because I play as being tricky. Is that okay? So I'll unpause when you tell me. I like a bit of this in the podcast, you know, where things go a little oh. bit. Wrong. <laughs> okay. Oh, so you're going to keep all this in? Oh, of course. Yeah, like oh. guerrilla podcasting, I call it. Yeah, anything can happen. The dog oh. could walk in. The kid could cry. I've had it all, I think, in 500-odd episodes. God, it's good job I didn't tell you that thing about that person then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, what a smooth uh, start. to the... So we've got the recap of uh, what happened last time. The only thing I don't like about a previously on is it always points you to what's important in that first episode. So you know what's going to inform the finale. Yes, and it happens a lot with American shows where they go, oh, they're emphasising that character, so they're going that to line, die. Or, you know? yeah, or, that, or that thing's, yeah, definitely. That was sort of broad. I was watching that there. That was a fairly broad overview of what happened in the last episode. Yes, but, but it, it did mention the satellites, I noticed. Yes, and the paradox machine, which yeah. is one of those... Um, great big nonsense things but again that they that that they they managed to make the nonsense resonate and not spend too much time with stuff that isn't you know isn't real if you like because all the sort of technological stuff isn't really real but they they give it enough heft without being sort of boring with it and disappearing up their own fundamentals because sometimes programs can do that when they create their own law can't they they go this is really important but it's it's only important because you've created all of this 
nonsense. It's that's that's when shows start to eat themselves when they believe their own inner publicity, if you like. Well, I think Rusty Davis just gives you the big idea, shows yeah. you what it can do, and then moves on. Well, it shows you what it could do in order to provoke the emotional response and the character dynamics that are what is really important to the stories that he's telling. Do you know, Toby, I don't think any showrunner since Rusty Davis can provoke emotions in the same way. He's so good at it. Mm. He's so good at I'm it. looking forward to that element coming back to the show where... Go on, sorry. No, no, go, no, go on. I say too much. No, <laughs> I do. Go on. Well, I, I was deeply shocked when this opened, and we were skipping a year into the future at the time. But now I really like that. Yes, and it's 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 more of a thing I associate with Moffat, where you you have a cliffhanger, and and then he takes you to a completely different thing, and then sort of. But then what he does is he sort of tells the story backwards or whatever. Or, or the, whereas whereas this, I, I think what. He, Russell Clever, this, this, that opening is every, um, you know, it's, it's pirate ship on the shore, you know, smugglers, but also French resistance. It's very, it's very keyed in to those sort of, um, action adventure things that were seemed to be part of my youth, um, but never sort of seemed to always, always seemed maybe slightly too grown up for Doctor Who, um, back in the olden days but have now been incorporated into its into its storytelling that are that are a, a sort of you know bread and butter sort of adventure um things but also because they're um they echo sort of dramas that were about you know things like world war ii or whatever because they have an anchor in real life um you know, the stakes seem slightly higher and it seems slightly sort of grimmer and more grown up, if you like, as grown up as Doctor Who can be, because obviously World War Two was a terrible thing where awful things happened to real people. But mm. it's using the the equipment of the fictionalised version of that, that that was so much part of our landscape. But I know I'm talking over the Scissor Sisters here. My uh, partner hates this scene. He thinks this is everything that's wrong with this approach. I think this is fantastic. It's the master at the height of his powers. He's completely batshit crazy. He's got the doctor in a tent like a dog. You know, he's snogging his wife. He's got a bruise on her face. It's all a bit dark and crazy. And the song as well, it's just really jarring. Um, yeah, I really like it. I, I, I mean, I mentioned last week why I, I like Doctor Who having a song in it, um, and and I, I then, uh, and actually, I then not long after this, I, I moved in with my now ex-wife, and she, she, she had when well, we used to listen to the Scissor Sisters before we went out to London yeah. Town to do things, and so I rather like the Scissor Sisters. They're they're happy memories for me, but but also because I'm a bit of a square. Um, any, anything that is a that 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 is sort of musical that is introduced to me that I sort of like I, I I'm you know I'm sort of grateful to because it makes me feel as though I've at least got my finger slightly on the pulse you know <laughs> uh, if, you know if they've been if they've been uh, uh, if, if 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 they've been doing this to you know some, something from the olden days I wouldn't have felt quite so invigorated by it you know and in, uh, and. And also it's a great, you know, it's a great sequence. It's again a sequence where there's no sort of plot or dialogue, but it's a it's a mood piece that encapsulates everything that's going on. And it's got a sort of cheeky power and it's it's really nicely filmed. Um but also it's leading us into this sequence where it seems like the master's in control, but we're actually getting a little bit of rebellion 
it, it ends up to be oh, foiled rebellion, but it shows that there's still a spark of, yeah. even though it's one year later. Um, and I, I like the, I like the way that this is drilled, that they've obviously, this is their moment and it's all done with a look uh, and, and, you know, you feel the relationship between them all. That's all, you know, the ordinary people coming together to try and overcome. That's a very Doctor Who thing, you know. But then obviously it's foiled. So, yeah, it almost looks like hope. Although, have they tried this before? Because I swear Jack goes, oh, not again, when they go to shoot him. Yeah, well, you get, yeah, you get the impression. But it's the opposite to me of of the doc, the Jodie Whittaker doctor who's a prisoner of the Jadoon just, go, just having given up and Jack going to free her which I, I i think is an odd choice uh and i think if russell t davis had written that situation it would have been you'd have met the doctor and the doctor would have been trying to escape and it would be foiled for the 400th time because the doctor never gives up and right. actually the doctor had been doing that in order to get closer to jack um because that made the doctor very passive i thought so so this is a way that showing that even though our characters are subjugated they are still doing what our hero characters do which is trying against the odds, even if it fails, not again. Even know. in the face of all that humiliation they're going through, like Francine's dressed up like a maid, you know, the dog's yeah. been treated like a dog. Oh, the, the enormous John Sims statue. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, that's what great old despots do, isn't it? Make big statues of themselves. Uh, I'm, now I'm sure Tom Ellis is your cup of tea, is he, Joey? Absolutely beautiful. Yes, I think he used to live around the corner from me when I lived in London. Uh, uh, but he's in America now, isn't he? He's Lucifer. He is, so he's yeah. probably got a jacket with red lining. But um, obviously, I wholeheartedly w was on board with Martha marrying him as well after this. You know, that's that's the inference in season four, isn't it? And then all of a sudden... Yeah, and then suddenly she's yeah. not, which, yeah... <laughs> Which, which, now look, I, no, Clark is a good looking man, but he's no Tom Ellis, right? Yeah, and, and I've discussed that on an, a, another podcast about um, how you know there's an unfortunate element where they go, oh, yes, let's let's marry the two black people because they're they're both black, they'll marry each other, which seems an odd, mis strange misstep, and it and it sells Tom Ellis's character short because he makes quite an impact in this. Uh, and it is lovely that he's not actually dead. Uh, and there is that inference. And then he's kind of forgotten about. Um, it was um, with this sort of um, one year later subjugated Earth. There was one trick I thought they missed because I think they do sell quite well with the locations they've got. But we never go to like a, a high street or a town centre or or like the centre of London to really sort of sell the idea. We go to a street, we're on a beach, you know, we go to some hills. Yes, well, that's because they're a lot cheaper and easier <laughs> to manage. <laughs> Where's the finale, you know? like Yeah. Um, yes, the, the, there's parts of this world we, we could have seen that we don't, for sure. I mean, it's been explored elsewhere. There, there's a four-part Big Finish set. There was a book, BBC book, the, um, the story of Martha, you know. So th yeah. this was certainly ripe for people to to go on and, you know, use the how, ideas. How are you with the extracurricular ad ad adventures? Do you do you view them as as, as canon or just interesting curios that, that that add texture to televised who if if you so choose 
Uh, well, I don't. This is a common argument I have with uh, my partner because he's obsessed with fitting everything into a jigsaw. So he has rules and regulations, and 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 you know, certain things count and other things don't. Whereas to me, it all just counts, and I don't try and fit it into one massive narrative. I just enjoy the stories. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it all happened, even if it contradicts something before. And I've listened right. to every big finish, and I've read every book. I, I never think a television story should worry about an important dramatic beat revelation plot twist if it contradicts something no. that happens in a spin-off book or or or, or a big finish. It literally just happened with that DVD trailer where they said to Nissa, we left you on Terminus, and there was a whole run of big finish stories where an older Nissa came back and travelled with the Doctor, and it completely sort of contradicted that. Yeah. Um, yes. But if I mean, if if you're somebody that is angry with that trailer for that, you will be in the 10 percent of people that I get the toclophane to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to oh. be it might. Do you know what? I might end up killing more than 10 percent of the population. You might. I, don't think <laughs> I won't have a partner by the end of the night either. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's first on the list. <laughs> the only thing I really object to is when extraneous material, which is important to the TV show, is omitted so like those those extra things they did like the amy and rory thing at the end and i'm like why wasn't that part of the show when it when it could have informed the tv show and actually given it some emotional resonance and and, and oh, it leaves you loads of questions as to why they didn't do that and then they do these extras that are on the dvd you know well that's not really part of the show no no that 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 and that's one of the problems with multi-platform stuff now because yeah you go oh that could have actually been done with being in the series yeah um this is very well shot all of this stuff isn't it this is all great and... i i i loved it i loved v when i was a kid it seemed so it's grown true. up that you would have because they all had that you know they had a resistance movement and underground cells and it, it was all and you know it had that kind of survivors element of they're having to beg borrow and steal their sustenance and their supplies um but also it's got the you know despotic ruler thing going on and also you know the people some people being compliant with that 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 ruling malfeasance and all all that sort of stuff. So and and it and, and you're able to make it look um, like everything's been cobbled together, you know, because they've they've had steel equipment. So uh, uh, and and that makes it feel a little bit retro and World War Two-y in a way because they're using archaic equipment. And so it's really evocative. All of that stuff. It's a really clever thing to decide to do because it gives you atmosphere. It gives you drama just in the way it looks and just in the way it feels. We're not going to have to have that conversation we had about Blake Seven, about V, are we? Because you remember when you said you had no idea when you were younger just how camp it was? I'm afraid so. I No, yeah. are you serious? <laughs> yeah. It was like Dynasty in Space, V. No, it was it was it was clever. It was uh you know, it was again, it was like sort of World War Two. I mean, and they, and actually they they wear the World War Two illusions on their sleeve, don't they? It's a, very deliberate in places but i did i didn't realize diana was camp um, it was very glam as well and and glam and all of that but i have to say that ha that is more so once kenneth johnson has left and it becomes the se the series uh and you know you, you have the two bitchy bitchy diana and lydia don't you and, and <laughs> but that's that's not what v the mini series was when it's got the spaceships in the sky and the you know and, and the tearing off of the faces and you know spotting them in you know you're through a grill eating a eating a hamster because you're, you're a nice person you know the lizard faces coming through yeah. 
yeah, it, it seemed it, it was a TV event. It was really grown up. It was a thing that people sort of talked about. Um, then I revisited it and was really disappointed. And actually, when I watched it recently, um, I think there's a, a huge difference between the, op the, the original and then the final battle where they actually the guy who envisaged it has been fired and executives have, what a surprise, come in and fucked it up. A bit like Fred Freiberger getting hold of Star Trek, the original yeah. series, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And we've completely talked over the first appearance of the Dobby Doctor here. Oh, uh, yes. Well. <laughs> what do you imagine was going on here? I don't know. I wonder if, you know, as a, as a contractual thing, David Tennant could only give them a, a certain amount of time and, and they found themselves towards the end of the series, realising they weren't going to have their leading man, because it seems, especially as Tennant was so big and so integral to the success of the series and so popular, it seems an odd choice to remove him from the season finale. But it may it may have been a more positive thing. It may have been that they've gone, we've, we've worked out a way to do a convincing CGI shrunken doctor, uh, and, and we should do that because that will be a big event, that will be a big scary thing for the finale but it does and, and it could have been one of those things it's only when you put it together at the end that you go oh yeah but in doing that we've we've removed our lead actor because you know hindsight is always twenty twenty, and I, you know i've made things where it's only when you get to the other side of it you think oh god that never occurred to me but but now look at it but mm. i don't know because russell is cleverer than i am and he has a whole the team behind him. of the thing he's got those massive eyes so he just looks kind of like an anime character yeah, well, I'm not a massive CGI fan anyway. Um, I am a big fan, by the way, of Eddie Haddington here, who has a brilliant face and is a very good actress uh, and uh, uh, does does a nice turn as this this professor. Um, uh, did you ever see her in... She she was given a comedy show on Sky called The Cafe. Oh. And it was very slight, very quiet, two-series comedy she would move me to tears in nearly every episode oh no but she's great and i have seen her on the train i think she lives i think she lives around these parts um uh, she's is. she's also the mum in motherland as well uh which i binged recently and adore this uh, whole sequence with them trapping the toclophane it's very dynamic isn't it oh it's fantastic colin, colin teague's great at the uh at the sort of dramatic set pieces um I'd I'd like him to come back actually and direct some more because I think he's I think he handles his episodes really really well and I think he's particularly good at this modern day fast pace M making Doctor Who seem sort of of its I, I know it's about time travel and alien worlds and history and all of that but there's something about when it when it comes to the present day and really makes an impact and seems like it fits into the modern. Uh, sort of televisual landscape that 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 as a as a fan for whom it was so often an embarrassment do you know what i mean it it is it, it really excites me when doctor who sort of comes into the present day and grabs it by the scruff of the neck and again you know i don't think it's been captured since rusty davis left not in the same way well i think i mean i think moffat's decision to take doctor who back to villages uh was refreshing of, was, yeah. was refreshing and and smart um and and i thought Chibnall's decision to go, you know, to go to Sheffield and 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 give a slightly different vibe in that way was because you can't do what's gone before. In a in a way, 
you know, Russell had it easy because he could choose for everything. Uh, yeah. And everyone that followed him had that terrible thing of going, well, I, I, I can't be seen to be trying to copy what, what Russell did. I have to do something else. Uh, so I will be very interested to see, because he's not going to come back and do exactly the same. I've heard that. No, look at his. Look at what he's done since he left Doctor Who. He's so, gone off in all kinds of yeah. direct, and it's just got. You know, I think his work's just got better and better since he left. I've, the show. I'm, I'm so. I, I have not been as excited by the prospect of Doctor Who. This is no reflection on the show when it's on. I'm not calling any any anybody out in terms of the actual manifestation of the program now, but just in terms of because you know. The excitement obviously also wanes as you get older and as you get more used to it, you take it for granted, but like you do with anything, like you do with, you know, bloody husbands and wives, you know, everything. But I, I, I haven't been this excited about the prospect of Doctor Who for a very long time. And that's partially because they manage, they manage the outside of the show so yeah. well. But suddenly everyone's talking about the show in such a positive way, you know. Absolutely. And it's just a few it's a trailer, it's a few pictures. It's a it's a three sentences uttered on a red carpet, mm. but so well chosen. Although nothing got me more excited than when Donna touched beep the meep on the eye. Ah. <laughs> this is gonna be amazing. Beep the meep. <laughs> if anyone could do it. Oh, Toby, this sequence. I thought that was Davros for a split second. It's horrible, isn't it? it it's great. Uh, it's the idea that, that that's the kid from Utopia, well, you or see, that they're all linked. I think they have to all be linked. If it's a, it's a, it's a, a mad coincidence if the one that they capture is the kid. And I never read it as that. And I'm sure some people have, and I, I can understand why. And I don't really. There's no sort of in-show justification for my feeling that what they're trying to suggest is that he's going. I, because we're a sort of group entity, we know you had that conversation with that lad and he's one of us, but we are all one and we are all him. You know, I don't think you say, I'm the guy that you met. I'm the I'm the lad who won the Blue Peter competition. Hello. Uh, I don't, because that, that I, th I think that's too unbelievable in a program about someone who travels through time and space in a police box that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. But I don't think that's what Russell's trying to suggest with that, that it's the literal same, same guy. And this here, where Lucy and the Master talk about what they saw on Utopia, the furnaces and yeah. the last of humanity being burned. I'm not sure if the show has been much darker than this. No, it's horrible. It's, it's bleak. And again, Russell's Doctor Who is full of positivity and zeal and fun. But he puts, he makes his main characters pay for the adventure that they have. And it's always the sort of payoff with Doctor Who is that it is a fun adventure, but people die. Um, and, 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 and he plays quite deliberately. I know a lot of people that didn't like the Doctor and Rose because they saw them as being too smug or whatever. Uh, now, whether he listened to that and so then built it in or whether it was a plan all along, I don't know. But he, he kind of went, well, yeah, but that's building up to punishment. You know, and I've I've been watching Quatermass a lot recently, and it's it, it, that that thing about you know we celebrate the breaking of frontiers of science because that is how we progress, but that thing that can also be mad folly and can unleash hell 
and the two things sort of go hand in hand and the same with this you know you you enjoy this adventure because you have to because it's the only way to stay sane but if you enjoy it too much what sort of a monster does that make you and what are the consequences of that and and russell's not afraid to go there and i think that's really interesting and the, the the joy of this is obviously when they went off in that rocket in Utopia and you thought, oh, well, that's the last we're going to see. And then they're off to Utopia. They're going to have a great time, you know, yeah. have no, happy no. days for the human race. And they're going to be turned into baby footballs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer has been screaming us in the face since the middle of the last episode. Yeah. I think it's it's really great. And, you know, I'm going to make a maybe unfair comparison with... Um, exposition delivered by Chris Chibnall in The Timeless Children. Well, you have 15 minute slideshow that yeah. is absolutely interminable. I love that era, but I have big issues with that sequence in that episode. Um, and he does it's the same thing. Rusty Davis does the same thing here in two minutes, cross cutting between two sets of characters with a visual representation of what they're talking about. And it's economic and it's it's brutal dialogue and it's beautifully acted. And, and there's so dra quick. drama within it as well because Tom Ellis shoots it and all of that. So you know the 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 conversation leads to something within the scene, not just explaining to the viewer. It's you know it's it's all very elegantly seeded into the to the drama and to the pacing of the episode. It's it you know it's it, it it's integral to the pacing of the episode rather than a pause from the pacing of the episode whilst that stuff is got out of the way, you know. Instead of sort of boring you silly, it resonates, you know. It, re it really does. Um, and this, of course, is Martha's last episode as a regular, isn't it? It is. I'm, she gets a good meaty role as well. Which we didn't know at the time. I, I didn't know she was leaving, I don't think, at the time. Did you? No, I don't think the Catherine Tate thing had been announced. No. Yeah. I think the Kylie no. thing might have been. It? I can't I don't remember. Know. But I I was I'm pretty certain it was a surprise when she didn't get on board the TARDIS. It's the uh, weirdest thing because when I first watched this, I found her departure so underwhelming. Now it's my favourite of all the new series companions' departures. Because it's so positive. It's so positive. Yeah. It's it and, and it's sort of it is all linked into the season, and she is sort of claiming her life back and saying, Do you know what? I'm not gonna hang around you anymore if you're not gonna give me what I need. I actually use that. This sounds crazy. I use that scene. I showed a friend who's not a fan of Doctor Who, who was in a toxic relationship. I needed to walk out. You know, I just wanted her to hear those words, get out, you know. And it works. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes a virtue of the fact that, you know, those who might say, well, it's un unfair on her because, um, you know, the Doctor obviously has this slightly, un you know, this this we, we love each other thing with Rose, whereas she doesn't have that. And people say, well, that's unfair on uh, Martha. And mad people say, oh, that's racist um, because she's the black companion and Rose wasn't. It's like... Oh, so they shouldn't cast an actress of colour because there's only yeah. certain things you're allowed to do. I mean, that way madness lies, but let's not get into that. Um, but um, it, it, it actually, it, it, it turns what could be a disadvantageous thing for the, for the character and the actor to go, well, you're, you know, you're, you, you don't have all the positive things that Rose had as a character um, uh, and actually make you more, Powerful and make your journey more powerful because because of that rejection um, and playing second fiddle, she finds herself 
and empowers herself and takes that very, very positive step. Yeah. Which and it's is... and it's written by Joel Rusty Davis, who understands emotions and relationships and people so well. So the, the joy of it is she kind of has that awkward goodbye with him. And then she walks out and she's like, no, I'm going to bloody well have my say. And she yeah. goes back in and she goes, right, this is why I'm going. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. It really is good. really, really good. Oh, and look, Professor Dockett is a traitor. But that's another great thing about Rusty Davis, right? Don't get comfortable with any character. You no. think Harriet Jones, you know, is the savior of humanity. Well, guess what? She may fire out and but, destroy that cigarette shit. But, she's, but look, it's all in her face as well. She's not a baddie traitor. She hates herself for doing this. Um, but she's doing it. She's doing it because she's a person you know under under despotic rule and she's 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 got something that might give her a little bit of help in something that she needs you know something very personal so mm -hmm. it's an, 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 a lot of good people do a lot of bad things yeah. under those sorts of circumstances but the beautiful payoff where she gives her the flowers at the end lovely gorgeous yeah. uh, even though yeah she's giving flowers to somebody who never actually became the person who did that thing yeah but yes, it is. She's it got is the lovely. need to do it anyway. Yeah. What do you think about all of this then? What do you think about Martha going around spreading the word of the Doctor, essentially creating a ton of Doctor Who fans that are going to save the day? It's. I think it's. It's something that I have to think long and hard about with this era, and it's. And I think it's an entirely personal thing, and it, and it, and it's maybe not something I'm comfortable with about about myself. In that I, I. I automatically shrink away from Doctor Who patting itself on the back. But maybe that's me reading too much into it and I, and, and they're just trying to tell a, a, a an exciting story. But I, I worry, so it's all so complicated. It's all bound up with all of our history as Doctor Who fans and what we've gone through with the show being slagged off. But we've, 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 so this is a well-rehearsed conversation. But, but when Doctor... I I like the Doctor Who of I save planets mostly, you know. Uh, you know, I I I do this kind of by mistake. I'm a I'm a I'm I'm you know I'm a slightly disorganized traveler who's got a moral core. Um, but the temptation, of course, when you're making a program that is successful, uh, is to sort of go, you know, there's the stuff of legend and all of that sort of thing. Um, but I I shrink away from that because, um. I think, oh, let's not get into the psychology of my Methodist grandmother who told you never to have ideas above your station. And even if you look vaguely pleased with yourself, she'd cut you down to size and then make you feel guilty when you weren't even feeling arrogant about it in the first place. You were just, you know, it's, oh, it's all bloody complicated. But I, 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 I think I like Doctor Who as a program to be the plucky underdog that somehow embedded itself in the heart of the nation and the landscape rather than the chart-topping brilliant success because i identify more with the with the plucky underdog that does its best dis despite not necessarily having the qualities that will make it a mainstream success than i do identify with the chart-topping show that everybody loves so therefore when the show itself sort of goes the doctor is the stuff of legend i i'm uneasy with that even though that might just come from self-loathing rather than anything the show is doing wrong. Well, the trouble is with going down that rabbit hole is weird as it end, you know, because 
I think each showrunner has taken on that idea and suddenly you've got people screaming out Doctor Who, Doctor Who and, you know, Matt Smith materialising as and as shadow on the wall and people are scared because he's such a great, scary, mythological figure. And then suddenly the Doctor is the foundation of Time Lord society and, you know, like, it, it, it gets a bit much. Yeah, I'm much more pluck, plucky improviser uh, on, on the outskirts of everything than, you know, angry God. The one thing I do love, which a lot of people object to, is how Russell T. Davis eventually addresses that. And then you have a doctor in the waters of Mars that suddenly starts believing in his yes. own reputation. And his yes. hubris is ultimately his downfall. And I thought that was a really clever, like to make him that unlikable at the end of that episode. Yes, it, it is. And it's the, it's the logical extension of, of, of you know, this, this kind of build up that they give it. Um, I quite like that once again the the sort of MacGuffin ends up being completely useless. You know her big gun that she's travelled the world, and uh, sad to see um, Tom Ellis getting zapped. But um, I, I suppose that was bound to happen. Although I, I think if you want to kill somebody, you should shoot them rather than run down the street pointing your gun and yelling no. But there we go. I'm old fashioned. It, that's just one of those um, TV things, isn't it? Um, one of uh, one of my best friends, Luke Malloy. He loves this scene where he left a comment on the Twitter thread. This scene where she says, "With fifteen satellites, and Mara get Martha gets her hero moment." Yes, she does deliver it perfectly. I th yeah, I think Freema Adjaman is really good uh, at, at all that stuff, um, and, and this is a great episode for her. Um, and I like I like her family. Um, it is unusual. I do think that Martha is skipped over a little in favour of Rose and Donna. I think so. I think so. Unfairly uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, but she'll she'll get a moment in the sun. You know, it's 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 happened to a great many companion. You know, nobody talked about Stephen Taylor for years, but everyone loves Peter Purvis and Stephen Taylor now. So you you just wait. You know, suddenly suddenly she'll she'll be she'll be everybody's favourite for a bit. You know. The pendulum swings uh and she, i've seen her in other stuff she's in that is it sense eight that uh that funny show she's great in that don't get me started on that uh, the first sequence i don't know if you recall was her getting out of bed with a dildo uh, and yes, i was that, like this yes, is I'm... this is not what i want to see martha yes. jones up to no that, no none of that's my cup of tea yet, <laughs> no, but uh but do you know but, what? If if uh, Bonnie Langford can uh, have a triumphant return to Doctor Who, I now believe that anybody could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's you know that's extraordinary that that somebody who the news of her casting in Doctor Who the first time round caused such seismic derision, uh, and the news exactly the same people, and I would I'm afraid include myself in this. I was furious when Bonnie Langford was cast when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. for all reasons that I, you know, that that seemed perfectly understandable at the at the time. Um, and then when her return to Doctor Who, which I'd never anticipated, was announced, it was a punch the air triumph of a national treasure being in, and you suddenly go, but it's the same person, and she hasn't done anything different. And the only <laughs> difference is, well, the difference is, is where her career was then, and where her career's been since yeah and hopefully i think uh uh a, 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 a maybe more circumspect and less childish response to things uh 
and but but yeah, she's 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 a national treasure and rightly so. She's brilliant, isn't it? Typical of this country, though, isn't it? That why didn't we like Bonnie Langford in the older days? Because she was really good at everything that she did and really enthusiastic about it. How dare she? You know that talented cow. Something, there's something in that inherent self-loathing, isn't there? That we yeah. hate successful people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Oh, and here she, we go. Here we go. Transforming now into a messianic figure. Yeah, um, which, I mean, makes absolute sense. And it makes plot sense as well, Into as you say, the 15 satellites and the psychic network uh, which the master has set up. So it actually makes sense within the, the science fiction of it. Um, and it makes sense within the fact that the Doctor has become this figure, uh, you know, that, the, you know, my God, he's he's played a big, the Doctor has played a bigger part in my life than most real people, uh, and as and in in terms of happiness, morality, all all sorts of things. But I'm I'm not wild about the Doctor as Jesus. <laughs> I don't know it, um, and I don't know why the gun doesn't work. He's got superpowers now, by all accounts. Yeah. After that old age makeup, David Tennant has never looked more beautiful. <laughs> How do you feel about the Doctor is Jesus? Um, do you know, I had somebody on Hamster who is a Christian who gave it an entirely positive reading. Okay. So we were doing that. We were doing New Earth, I think, and it wasn't part of that episode, but he wanted to address it. Um. Yeah, it's a bit much, isn't it? I like this. You remember the sequence in uh, Voyage of the Damned as well, where the angels take him up to heaven <laughs> in slow motion with the chorus going crazy. It's it's. I mean, it's just a bit melodramatic. That's all. But but watching it now, and I think I've I think I've rationalised myself with some of Russell T Davis's big flourishes. Is that it's more important the effect that it has on the master than. Mm than what it does to our suspension of disbelief or, or or whatever in that that i forgive you is obviously a continuation of the jesus thing and and that's the worst thing you can say to him which is really psychologically very interesting is as to how that character works and what the shows is about so it's almost like its metaphorical value is is more important than its dramatic value in 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 a sense um, and I, I sort of respect that in a way more now than again I did back then where I used to get, you know, very cross about, um, you know, endings, you know, magical endings or whatever. He's um, really thinking about the dynamic of their relationship in a way the classic series sort of barely flirted with. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I love um, people with machine guns, especially, <laughs> especially if it's Captain Jack in Doctor Who. Uh <laughs> Love that. A gorgeous tracking shot there as they were running around those corridors. Yeah, beautiful. Do you know, ever since somebody said to me that they're like a bunch of Maltesers heading towards the earth, that's all I can see now because there's an advert with a very <laughs> similar special effect. Ooh, do you know what? There's an underrated suite. I love a Malteser. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, are they trying to evoke a sort of Reichenbach Falls moment here? They're all, they've got, gone onto this sort of massive edifice down on the earth. It's a weird, the way they beam down and then sort of head back up again. It's always a bit I kind of forget has happened. Every time I watch it and this bit happens, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about this bit because it seems so unusual for the story. And they've they've kind of blasted the filter as well, hasn't it? It's a it's a it's something about the sort of colour palette. Saturated as well. look, yeah. And is this the the music? Yeah. 
dum dum dum. I love this piece of music. Uh, I, yeah, it, I love it's. It, I think it's called All the Strange Strange Creatures, isn't it? And it's the trade of music. I I sometimes listen to this on my telephone when I'm walking around the park, and I imagine being in a trailer for Doctor Who. So there we are. There's a confession. I've never told anybody that. I have. I have all, <laughs> all of the Murray Goldstein and, and the second Akinola ones, and I listen to them over and over. So these musical cues are just burnt in my brain. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? It's quite busy, this, isn't it? There's a bit too much going on here. But it is the season finale. Uh... Is it an inevitable reset? I guess it is. We We, we really couldn't continue the show with that many people being killed no i i think that would be yeah i think that would but there is i i do think there's something strangely unsatisfying about going everything that you've just watched didn't happen but what i do like about it is that the characters we care about it did happen to them that's and that's that's very clever the people in the eye of the storm will carry the weight of again the emotional repercussions Mm. which are what is important so yes so again i'm perhaps more forgiving of it now than i i felt at the time where the the bigger picture bothered me more than the smaller but more important picture um resonated peculiarly um and i do think the realization of it of the sun going around the earth and then we cut to all parts of the globe in sort of beautiful images oh yeah all of that is so well done Yeah. yeah But again, just like kind of told you really quickly, really economically, I keep using that word, but that's Russell T. And again, brilliantly, he's sewed all this, but the story needs to end. The Doctor needs to beat the Master. Uh, and you're going, well, they can't just capture him. What's going to happen here? But of course, so I don't think you see this coming particularly, uh, but it all makes sense in retrospect. Because um, you don't know uh, and oh, and the, and I've forgotten. There's the there's the cheat of that you think she's gonna That's, do it. Yeah. Well, I was gonna uh, say that because throughout this, I haven't mentioned it, but my eye keeps getting drawn to Lucy, despite the fact she's not saying or doing anything in the scene. It might be the red dress. It's the red. Know. The red dress is a very clever choice. But I'm always aware of her. You know so, that she's there. It's a yeah. bit like the perception filter. She, yeah. She's. <laughs> you clever. just see her at the corner of your eye. It's very cleverly placed. But but this this but this is a very clever example of the show having its cake and eating it because the show has to say it is wrong to kill people. You're better than this, but for its satisfying climax, it needs somebody to kill him, and it very cleverly rejects that as the answer, but provides it as the answer at the same time. Uh, because you know I don't care. What anybody said, if the ending had been that they put him in prison, even me as a terrible sort of bully liberal peacenik, as as somebody who's a consumer of drama, it's unsatisfying if he doesn't get killed. Which what does that say about us and what we look for in our drama? But if it had just been right, go and put him in prison. You know, nobody says the ending of Battlefield is is nah. is you know is baffling, is, isn't it? Satisfying. <laughs> Why a is woman it that, that can need... transport anywhere? And this, I think this is so well done. Tennant is fucking brilliant in this. Really, really good. Well, this is the uh, sort of emotional intensity I never thought I'd see in the show. Yeah. Yeah. 
Although we were here this time this... last year, last season, weren't we? We were doing this level of intensity in Doomsday, which we also did a commentary on. Oh, did well, gosh, we do the season finales. We... <laughs> gosh. I only saved the best for you, you know. Because I thought we were, because I'd chosen this, and then you wanted me to do, we were going to do Midnight at one point, weren't we? We're still going to, hopefully. Are we still going to? Okay, there we go. Uh, how exciting. He's so good. He Did is you... such a good actor. Did you see the look on Lucy's face when the gun went off? Yeah. Like you said, dead behind the eyes, but an act of revenge, you know. Yeah. It, she. I'll tell you what, she is cracking. She is a, it's a really good performance that she it's... gives. A shame she didn't have a bigger role in the end of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And as an actor, if, if your agent rings up and goes, you know, you were so good in that Doctor Who. They were so pleased with you. <laughs> they want well, you back for a they're, scene. They're, they're, they're bringing the master back. And you go, they're bringing the master back. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And yeah. And they and so they want you back. Brilliant. And you, you read your first scene and realise it's your only scene. <laughs> oh, come on. What is it you said earlier? It's a cruel business. It's a cruel business. Uh, that's so good. Well done, everybody. Brilliant. And this is beautiful. Echoes um, of Star Wars here, isn't there? With the it is a bit, yeah. And... Well, what's, what happens when he brings the master back in the end of time is obviously he can't do the same ending can he he can't just no kill him off again so he makes that really unusual choice to have the master effectively save the day Doctor. yeah yeah it's great but, that, but we know but that does make sense within the dynamic that they have and we sort of know that and again that's built into the law because of something that also didn't happen was that if delgado had lived his last story would have been the master sacrificing himself to save the doctor. So even though it didn't actually happen, it's that still somehow inveigled its way into the DNA of the show. And then and, yeah, uh, we revisit it again, don't we? We did it again in well enough a time in the doctor falls. Yeah. I love, I love the two masters in that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. <laughs> the suggestion that they're at it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Moffat. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Nice. Just to say, I don't blame you. Ah, <laughs> she goes. Who are you? Right, it's it's just basically a random act of kindness, isn't it? Very sweet. Uh, I suppose the inference is there is, so, you know. Oh, I've... now I've forgotten about this. I remember texting back and forth with a friend of mine, going, "No, it's cool. it's just a big face." <laughs> um, because this is where Captain Jack says he's the face of Bo, isn't it? And <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and I remember just going, no, that doesn't, no, that's not, that can't, oh, what? Um, but actually, I don't mind. I don't, He's had so mind. much plastic surgery at that point that his face is enormous. I, again, I don't really mind it now, and I suppose it has a bit more resonance if it's Captain Jack. But I remember at the time going, what? No, that's just... That seems to me an idea somebody's had at three o'clock in the morning and nobody's then gone, <laughs> no, that don't do that. Where was Julie Gardner going, oh, Russell, come on. Yeah. But it doesn't contradict anything we've seen before. No, but it was called the face of Bo because it's a big face, not because it's <laughs> been a face on a poster from the Beauchene <laughs> Peninsula. But I love their reaction when they're just like, no. <laughs> That's like yeah. us when a twist hits in Doctor Who. And of course, they, they do have to uh, address the... Because, I mean, John Berriman now has white hair, doesn't he? So, um, yeah, they do have to address the the fact that if they want to bring the actor back, he's uh, 
it is going to age. It's it's a bit like the data problem, isn't it? In in Star Trek: The Next Generation, is that androids don't age, but of course Brent Spiner is now. His you know, face is very full now compared yeah. to 1987. Yeah. Going yeah, back to what yeah, you the... said in the last episode about the three shows taking place concurrently. Astonishing how much they informed each other, didn't they? With, with Tennant and Matt Smith going over to Sarah Jane, with Martha so. going over to Torchwood, and then them all coming together here. And it takes a special kind of brain to keep keep all of that um, and juggle it all well. And I, 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 it took me ages to see that Reggie Yates is actually in this shot because he's credited in the episode. And I was going, why is he credited in the episode? He's not in it. He's in it through the window so yeah whilst um lucy saxon gets a bum deal in the next uh, next appearance because you know she she's not in it much reggie yates gets an episode fee for standing behind a window <laughs> uh that's 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 not a bad deal as an actor uh <laughs> my mate dylan knows him quite well and apparently he had a lot of other work at the time yeah <laughs> yes well i remember being quite worried about his casting because he was very well known as a just as a personality as a as a dj and i thought oh is this doctor who getting a little bit you know believing its own you know putting celebrities in it Mom, rather than you've got to stop doing actors. this bonnie bonnie langford billy piper reggie, i know catherine I know. tate reggie yates yeah i know oh it's weird i never had an issue with catherine tate but i think that's because because <clears throat> reggie yates wasn't known as an actor really it was more that he was known as a DJ. Do you know what I mean? But that shouldn't stop anything anyway. I'm, you know, I'm all for comedians getting cast and things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, he he kind of was, he didn't really have a substantive role at any point in the season, did he? He was no, so he gets, interesting. Gets a bit to do in the Lazarus experiment, but that's, that's kind of it. You get the impression that they probably wanted to do more with him in, in this finale. And, and as you say, he'd, uh, he'd got loads to do. So they had to, you know, grab him for a day and write him out. But it means that that character, look when you look back at the history of Doctor Who, you go, oh, they they obviously they never quite got to do with him what they intended. I, I really love the dynamic between Martha and Tish in the Lazarus experiment. I kind of wish we'd had a bit more of that because yeah. they they really sparked off each other and well. She's a terrific actress as well. That bit we didn't mention in episode one, that bit where Tish is on the answer phone. She's about to tell them exactly where they need to be. And Martha just turns off the answer phone and goes, Oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I, yeah. T -t Tish is fantastic. Um, goo goo. Uh, yeah, so here's the sort of awkward hug. Okay, we're going to say goodbye. She, she basically says she wants to go off to be with her family. So she's giving him yeah. a, a, a reasonable out. Yeah, oh, that line there. I spent a lot of time with you thinking I was second best, but you know what? I am good. Yeah, and it's it's an unusual thing, isn't it? Because she does actually come back uh, for a few, and she goes into Torchwood. So, you know, she's leaving, but she's but she's not. But as you say, this is this is the masterstroke. Is you think that's the goodbye, and and it, you know, she then has this empowering thing of going, "Hang on, Doctor Who, the the man, the man, and the program." <laughs> This is so beautifully written. Just yeah. using using her friend as an example. Yeah. I feel like Rossi Davis has just spent his whole life looking at people and relationships, and he just pours it all into his work now. Well, that's a story as old as time, isn't it? When you look at you look at a relationship from the outside, and you go, "What the hell?" It's usually so you know what the, what the hell is she doing with him? Because uh, he's you know she's great and he's awful. Um, 
And, it, you know, I think we can all identify with that. Did you ever watch Cucumber? Yes. So do you remember in the first episode, you got that couple with that really toxic relationship where they're both bringing men home and they have that massive row with the other man in the house. And you really... Oh, yes, yes. Well, I watched that whilst I was going through something similar in my life. And it was only watching that I was like, oh, my God, this is me. That's me. (laughs) It was so resonant. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what you have to do with Doctor Who. It's a ridiculous program. Um, anything that makes a viewer go, oh, God, yeah, I'm I'm seen or I, I've seen that, I understand that. Anything that helps to, and she does that, that's that's nice. That's a nice little hero moment for her. Anything that helps to to ground the ridiculous in an emotional reality is vital. And I think that's, that's you know, where Russell T. Davis has been so triumphant uh, and is, is not to be underestimated. Um, the the smile that he gives her. So the first look he gave her when she went out, it was a bit weird. And yeah. then the smile he gives her when she comes back and gives him the speech, like he totally respects her decision. And that's Tracy Simpson, isn't it? That's Tracy Simpson's hand. I oh boy, did we speculate about that ring? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Painted nails. Well, and we do we do get that it was just going to be some random prison officer. Yeah. But we do at least get a payoff, don't we? And uh, <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> and what? <laughs> and of course, this was a this is a cheat, isn't it? Because it's it says Titanic, and you go, oh, are they going to do? Are they going to do a Titanic story? But of course, it's not. It's the Titanic in space. And you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Voyage of the Damned. I think it is a really fun Christmas special but the the get out of that ship hitting the TARDIS where he just sort of presses a button and it all comes together yeah but it's kind of I mean in a way you 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 kind of you kind of want that actually because you don't want the next story to start with a sort of getting out of the thing that's got us in I, I think I think Russell is very wise sometimes in going something that in the old days might have taken us a, a sort of 10 minute sequence that delays us getting into the story he just goes no we can we can press a magic button because actually that's not what this is about and so long as we don't press a magic button as a cheat of a major plot point we're you know we're fine um what's um what's interesting is that he did the same thing didn't he with doomsday you have Catherine tate pop along at the end and that's your into the next episode here you have the titanic and they did shoot a sequence with two Cybermen coming up behind him in Journey's End, and then they thought, "No, we're going to take that out." They uh, they were right to, um, they were right to, um, because it's it is nice having that uh, that that repeating gag of what 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 you go, oh yeah, okay, cool, um, I, I know where I am now, um, but actually that would have spoiled that would have spoiled, which was very moving, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and 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 brave to go actually that thing that we normally do let's let's not do that this time because it it doesn't serve this particular moment in this particular episode i think they tend to judge those sorts of things very well um you know this attention to detail um is uh you know makes those makes makes this era so very strong I was uh, really happy to see frame regiment back both in series 4 and in torchwood some odd decisions were made because they brought her back and then she was essentially an evil doppelganger in one 
and shifted off to a side plot in the Doctor's the, door. Well, the, the Doctor's door just basically gets to walk around in a quarry with some, <laughs> with, a, with some poor fish guy who dies. Uh, yes, a much better uh, showing in the Stolen Earth, I think. Uh, yeah, I just sort of like, I mean, I, I'd, have, I'd have sort of thought, thanks, but I mean, if this is what I'm going to do, I'm, <laughs> I, I think, can I, I'll just do an episode of Casualty. Um, and then in Torchwood, she gets one brilliant episode called Reset, where she's kind of front and centre. Then she's turned into an old woman in one episode and then she is again shunted off to the sidelines in the last one yes i'm it's it's curious because the torchwood opens up a whole big issue of course because torchwood is the adults doctor who spin-off which brings with it problems all of its own and i i mean i uh, we don't need to go into too much detail but i i you know it, it felt to me that because i remember i had an english teacher once who, who said we could we could use swear words in our in our stories if we if we wanted to so the first one i wrote was you know replete with them and and he said look um he said actually you know they they didn't they didn't work because you because i said you could use them you use them and you use them too much and it's gratuitous and and it was a it was a lesson to learn and and, and with torchwood i i felt you know they said right we could do doctor who with the, the 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 sort of shackles removed and so somebody goes well the second story shall be about an orgasm monster and uh, <laughs> oh, I, remember, gosh. I, I was in a sketch show at the time and i actually wrote a sketch and we uh, uh, about um torchwood and it was um you know um how should we defeat the monster this week we shall defeat it by swearing at its face the ruder the swear word the better and uh, you know and what's this week's alien uh it's an alien uh, that manifests itself uh, uh, by disguising itself as a pair of women's knickers, you know, because it was it was all just seemed so, uh, and, and it felt to me like the televisual equivalent in in that regard of um, uh, writing boobies on a calculator and turning it upside down, you know. Um, what it felt like to me, it felt like, and I don't want to write off the new adventures. I think they've informed a lot of the new series, but, but when they were told, you know, you could write Doctor Who for adults, now suddenly. Characters were being tortured in horrible ways. That was yeah, swearing, syphilis, and yeah. And weird enough, the adult show winds up being quite immature. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and I only mention that as context of the fact that, therefore, for me, it was slightly awkward that Martha crossed over into Tortured because I could I could sort of live with Tortured as an adjunct to the show even though captain jack was in it he was he was still a sort of cheeky guest character and he was and he was the character in doctor who who was you know closest to being doing the sort of naughty stuff so it seemed sort of acceptable to go okay he's going to head this new adult doctor who spin off but to to bring martha into it i i found slightly awkward because then you're going well i'm i'm taking taking one of the key figures from you know the ch- the children friendly doctor who into yeah. adult you're encouraging the adults, to... and I noticed that she she didn't do any of the swearing or any of the you know she was immune from the effects of uh, Torchwood being placed just beyond the watershed. Um, but yes, and 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 actually, the Sarah Jane Adventures with its stories about homelessness and and all sorts of other things it's very mature a- actually, actually seemed to be more adult in, in yeah. a way. And, it was and a, bizarre when they were side by side, and yeah. you had the the children's show being extremely mature and the adult show being very immature. I was like, I mean, this is great for Sarah Jane. But it's a little bit embarrassing for Torchwood. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Jane is definitely much more my preference. But then, I, you know, I am an older person who remembers Doctor Who being a particular way. So, you know, I'm informed by my own uh, environment and previous experience. So I'm I'm careful not to sort of point the finger and say whether it's necessarily right or wrong. I'm t- just talking about my own personal 
experience. But I, I also, I'm a bit old fashioned. I think the key to the success of Doctor Who is that it has to be suitable for children. So it gets you when you're a kid, but you retain that affection for it when you're an adult. And as a kid, you want it to be all grown up and violent and sweary. But actually, the fact that it can't be too grown up and violent and sweary is what makes so, so. So you actually end up liking it more for reasons that you don't think you do, because actually, if it had been those things that you wanted it to be as a kid, because kids yeah. want things to be grown up, you wouldn't actually have enjoyed it as much. Um, so I think it's, you know, careful what you wish for. Um, and also the, the children friendly thing about Doctor Who that you sort of resent a bit as a kid because you want to be all grown up is actually one of the fundamental parts of its success. Uh, the the knock-on effect with Torchwood for me was I came to not expect much from it. So when it pulled its act together, I was really surprised and impressed. You know, when yeah. It... And there are some fantastic episodes of Torchwood, and I and I'm I, I think I mentioned in the previous episode I'm watching Children of Earth again, <sighs> and I think I think it's an astonishing piece of television. You know, Doctor Who related or not, I think it's a crap. It's an amazing piece of work. It's a brilliant confident uh fabulous piece of top-notch television that sort of deserves to stand on its own two feet really um so torchwood's a funny creature isn't it it is it's, it is it's four it's four series that are all completely different yeah. uh, um but 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 you know what a t but what a time to be alive and and also making television is really hard um uh, and and making television that is imaginative and outside the box and you know doesn't necessarily fit into any categories and is related to this weird phenomenon that is a doctor who is um you know i think any anything we talk about where we might say we don't particularly like it or or it doesn't quite work for us that that is within the context of it of of something that is a phenomenal achievement uh and and it's qualified by the fact that it's part of this whole thing that is absolutely amazing and and brilliant but 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 we're so we're talking about sort of qualified you know lack of success as it were and a lot of it's purely a matter of taste it is entirely subjective yes because i know some people where torchwood is their preference so there are yeah, those people out there well look tell you we've got two impossible tasks to do here now one is to go back through the tweets and see what people have to say yeah uh, every time i do this you put your head in your hands yeah. <laughs> it's not too terrifying no way and then we will list our three favorite things yes this episode and then you can go to bed Haha. <laughs> okay so I've got a few comments. Uh, Ian Clark says, controversially, I don't mind the ending because the scientific mechanism for it is plausibly layered into the story. And Martha puts in the legwork with a narrative pulling a clever misdirect as to what her true goal is. Obviously, the Dobby Doctor is terrible, though. I, I think all he says about the ending is is a, is fair. And um, what he says about the Dobby Doctor is is not unfair. <laughs> that's fair <laughs> fraser gregory um says, oh, hi, fraser does he say something like i love the dominators me <laughs> <laughs> well when he hears you talking about the quarks he will be very excited you did mention him in the last episode oh, the quark the quark clefanes yes 
Uh, <laughs> he says the doctor is jesus good ending or deus ex machina taken literally too far well i mean i think as we said the science is kind of worked into the plot so it's not a deus ex machina in that sense in the way that say opening up the tardis and uh and making blonde felfatch turn back into an egg which you know which comes out of absolutely nowhere and there are a few, and or you know covering yourself in all the medicines in the world uh, in, <laughs> yes. you know that so that, you know there are a few of those to be fair and this one i think did feel like that at the time because i think we you know we we would be unsurprised if it was some a, a sort of magic button but actually it's more artfully deployed than that i just think in terms of a an aesthetic the the you know lazarus from the flames thing thing seems a bit a bit religious for a show and i'm talking as an atheist now so i know and i know i have i have friends who like i know people who like doctor who are religious and so again this is, i can only ever be personal but for me the the, the show it, it, you know is 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 quite rejecting of religious ideology and 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 the idea of magic as well that, that it has to be called a sort of quite scientifically rigorous and that, and that science and reason always win out over superstition and magic and in it and with no offense to religious people here in 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 a lot of doctor who writing religion is seen to be in the same camp as superstition and magic um and science and rationality are seen to be contra contrary to that and that that we we, we you know we're 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 encouraged to embrace rationality and reason and, and science rather than go back to the, the the dark ages of superstition or believe in magic and, and and the plot should work like that as well. So seeing a sort of Jesus-like resurrection seems counterintuitive to the flavour and tenor of Doctor Who. Now I don't know whether that's a fair criticism. But that would I when I think about it, that that feels to me like my gut reaction to that 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 moment where it's all angelic uh, and magicy. Well, it's interesting. It's in the same season as Gridlock, where in the confidential, you know, Rossi Davis addresses the fact, you know, that they they all have a faith in that episode. But that was him saying that, you know, why is faith? you know exclusive to religious people you know i i think that moment in gridlock is astonishing and i yeah, and i too. and i love it and it's because i think it's quite easy and again i'm not a religious person i wish i was i actually respect um religion in in in, in many ways I, I understand the dawkins argument of going you know you can't sacrifice your humanity and reason for something that you can't prove and people who follow a religion blindly can do very bad things to other humans because they they believe in this creed rather than the reality in front of them i understand that, you know that religion has been used for as a smokescreen or a controlling thing or, or or an excuse to do bad things i get all of that i get all the arguments against religion they're well rehearsed in many dramas and satires and all of that but i also actually quite admire people who who, who, who and, and in this increasingly narcissistic age in which we live, people who subsume them, themselves and their own needs and personality into something that is about a greater good and something where you humble yourself in, in, in front of a, a code or a creed that makes you 
be part of a wider community uh, and 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 can be a moral guidance which you know and and, and using religion as a as, as as a control is very bad but using it as something that means we we all have a common goal about common humanity and common decency and a common set of morals is 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 the other side of that coin and that's a good one um so i was going somewhere with this and i've i've lost track i went but it's it's still about the religious side of things what did you say you um you asked a question a hundred years ago it's probably written on the dead sea scrolls um um the question was uh the doctor is jesus good ending or day oh, no, oh, no, yeah but then we moved up then we moved up. um um but it, it's um uh, no, you said something when we were talking about whether Doctor Who's religious or not. Oh, about um, gridlock. Ah, that's it. But in grid and 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 I think it's very easy. And, and Russell's an atheist, isn't he? It's very easy, and I see comedians do it all the time, and I've been guilty of it. It's very easy to take the piss out of religion. It's very easy to satirize. It's very easy to, 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 to you know, to to knock down um, you know big institutions and all of that sort of thing. And I th I, I think it's sometimes. Again, it's it's it can be quite unkind and disrespectful. Now, when you're knocking against something that's a prevailing wisdom, you know it's it's quite rebellious. But in this day and age, it's actually not that rebellious to not be religious. And I think it's easy to be glib uh, about people who are and to be disrespectful in a way that I would have happily done 20 years ago, and I wouldn't now for all the reasons I've just explained about you know ad ad admiring some elements of, of 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 religious views. And what I what I think is so clever about that bit in Gridlock is that. He shows the power of that community that that where they listen to the old rugged cross and they and they cry and they have that moment where everybody is brought together. It is beautiful. It is unifying. It shows the power where religion could be used for good, but also brilliantly acts as a metaphor for why they don't move. It, it gives them comfort. It gives them solace, but it also is what Absolutely. paralyzes them, yeah. traps them. And so that is a really clever writer because you go, he's showing, he's sh and this is where I, I, a lot of modern criticism really gets, because because some people might look at that and go, oh, he's celebrating religion. I'm not religious. Other people might go, he's, he's showing religious to be a, a, a paralyzing force. I am religious. That's insulting. No, what he's doing as a clever writer, he's going, both of those things are true. Uh, Take from it what you will. Yeah, make of it what... And, and actually, there are so many things in our life that are paradoxical. So many things that I believe, you know, instinctively, but that intellectually I know can't be that true because by... My reason tells me that they can't, but my heart tells me something else. And that's fun. We must embrace those things because life is full of contradictions. And if anyone thinks they've got the absolute answer, they're a potential despot. And a good writer doesn't go, uh, this is the one way and it's the only way. And if as a, if as a, as a consumer you go, well, they're saying something that I don't agree with, therefore this is wrong or it's offensive. No, it's, it's anything that shows that the paradoxical nature of our you know our instinct and our intellect and, and and the way that our society is formed is 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 something that is working as a drama on 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 a on a really thoughtful uh, and intelligent and thought provoking level and i i think that bit in in gridlock is is absolutely as extraordinary for that because it is it is sympathetic and yet satirical it it is human and yet intellectual at 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 exactly the same time
But I don't think the sequence in Last of the Time Lords is as clear. No. No. Um, I mean, it's interesting. What, what leapt out at me when we were watching it this time, and bear in mind, you know, we, we have to talk through it um, so so we miss some of the subtle... But what really hit home, because I'd got the subtitles on, is that at the end of that silly sequence where he floats and is impervious to laser beams, you know, and, and I love John Sim's brilliant reaction where he's kind of scared. Yeah. Um, is the doctor saying, I forgive you. And you go, Oh, that's what it's all about. It's not, it's not the, it's not the floaty floaty. That's important here. It's the, it's the, it's the act of forgiveness. That's what Russell needed to get to. And if he needs to get through that by a sort of, uh, that's, you know, Easter Monday, then then so be it. But but as an as as an aesthetic, it it does sit awkwardly to me within the tone of what what I expect from from Doctor Who. I do go on. I don't know why people listen to a word I say. I am absolutely fascinated. I, do I, not apologize. Do this every time you come on. Jesus, I wouldn't censor a word. You know. <laughs> Stop it! And you'd think you'd think I was some the amount I talk. You'd think I was somebody that liked the sound of their own voice and thought they had something worthwhile to say. I don't. I I really don't. But it, I seem to have this compulsion to. Well, I just open my mouth and it falls out. It's terrible. Oh God, it's awful. The unfortunate anyway. thing is, people like to hear it. Well, I'm well. If only to go. Well, at least I'm not that guy. <laughs> um, what? All right. Well, I'll move on. I'll move on. To Jason Thompson's comment, which says, uh, oh, hey, Jason. I wish the reset switch hadn't been telegraphed right at the start of Lies of the Time Lords, but it was so obvious everything was going to be undone. Rather glaringly, the big reset at the end is treated like everything is fine and back to normal, apart from the Jones family, but overlooks the fact that everything up to the activation of the Paradox machine still happened. He's thought about this. Yeah. So Harold Saxon was PM, assassinated his cabinet. Oh, there's another part. Announced the first contact with the Toclophane, arranged the event. So most of the world still witnessed the Toclophane appearing and vaporizing the US president. Then Saxon declared himself the leader of the world and then apparently vanished. Big stuff to just ignore. Yes. So it means it's a, a, again, it, it's because it because he could have chosen any time to reset it to really. He could have come up, up with some baffle gab as to as to why, but he clearly chose that because of the impact it would have on our regulars the regulars needed to have gone through what they went through um it's bad news for vivian rook in it um she's still <laughs> dead uh the president's still dead and you know but i you know i think he'd gone to great pains to show that the politicians you know in televisual terms deserved to die because they were they were all you know people opportunists um I can imagine, you know, Terence Dix watching this, going, yeah, I should write the target of this. There's a lot of threads hanging. I could do this in a paragraph. I don't think Terence would have approved of the reset. Uh, I don't know. That's just an instinctive response. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult. Jason's, I mean, Jason makes a very convincing case, but I managed to sort of not mind because it makes again the impact it has on our regulars seems to sort of justify that positioning and i can kind of in the same way that i can forget that the scarrison appeared outside the houses of parliament you know you kind of go 
I can, I, 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 it's funny, isn't it? The things that we allow ourselves to live with. And again, sometimes it's entirely due to personal taste. I've been doing a lot on the Hinchcliffe era recently and purely objectively, a lot of the Hinchcliffe era episode fours are unforgivable in terms of plot, but I forgive the Hinchcliffe era almost everything because of the quality of the production and the the writing in terms of the you know the the language and the character and the tone uh in a way that i wouldn't in eras i'm less naturally drawn to and and i i i have i cannot justify that apart from to say that i can with that and i don't with that i think we all have that bias about the eras that we love um okay i've got a interesting question here james h asks is the glowing magic floating doctor a nod to <laughs> kai in the mutants thus explaining why the time laws actually sent the doctor on that mission in the first place um lovely <laughs> but no <laughs> but he's not unlike is he he's not unlike. No. Uh... um crash dummy asked would the top profane have been a better or worse replacement daleks and the other side of the time law, uh, time war in series one. It's it's funny. I I'm I'm sure I'm not betraying a confidence when I say this. I I, I remember Rob Shearman saying to me that when you know the Daleks weren't going to be in Dalek, he said you know because because that was a, as, yes as you alluded to that 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 uh, the Toclophane were going to be the replacement for the Dalek. Ross said you know I've I've come up with this monster and I've I've done a drawing of it. And Rob said, they showed me this drawing and it's it's basically, it's a circle. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like, right, okay. Because I, th- <laughs> I I think the Toclophane work because they are an adjunct to the master. I think, you know, the, there's a reason the Toclophane haven't come back is that I think they work within the context of that story. Um, but I, I don't think a, a childish talking football thing uh, and, and they may have had a different voice and personality and all that sort of thing in in Dalek. Look, I'm I'm pleased with the way it turned out. Dalek needed to have a Dalek. Thank God it did. Um, I'm I'm sure they'd have made it work, but I think the the way that we've got it, it, the way that we've got it is is the best way to have it. Uh, and I I don't feel the need to see the Toclophane again, they work within the context of that story. And I think if it had just been a Toclophane story, it's not a Toclophane story. It's a master story. And the Toclophane are, you know, his, the, the things that, that, that sort of back him up. But I, I don't think it would have been strong enough that they're, 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 I don't think they're strong enough to work independently. As a complete side note, I'm one chapter away from finishing Rob's target novelization of Dalek, and it is magnificent. Oh, he's a he's a very clever, clever man. Honestly, uh, uh, anybody who hasn't go and read that book. It it's the backstories of those guest characters are fleshed out. I'm going to use the word again with such economy, and with that sort of dark dark humour of his. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, he's great. Um, and, of course, as we record this today, it's just been announced that we are getting target novels of uh, yeah. the three specials hot on the heels of their television. Uh, I'm going to have a book on my shelf called Giggle. Ah, oh, <laughs> great. 
Okay, let me let me cher- sort of cherry pick some of the others. Otherwise, you will never go to bed. Well, no, I don't, I don't mind. I've got time, but I can understand if you want to keep it shorter. But don't don't do it on my account. I'm I'm at home on my own, and um, I'm happier doing this than I probably would be doing anything else. Charming man. Jim Allenby asks, at the time there was wild speculation about who picked up the ring at the end. It turned out to be Mrs. Tr- Miss Trafusis, a prison guard. Nothing exciting at all. But who did you think had picked up, who did you think had picked up the ring? Um, well, no, I mean, I, I, do you know what? I, I wondered if it mattered uh, and if it was just a nice visual, you know, the red, the red uh, um, nail varnish. And that, you know, next time we saw the master, it would just be alluded, you know, one of one of my acolytes rescued. But but then I but then I thought about it and thought, no, they're going to they're not going to ignore that. They 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 will bring that in. But I I had no idea. Um, but but I kind of like the mystery. It's, it's great, isn't it, that that even the hand had some a sort of talking point because of, of the of the of the rosy red uh, uh there was a suggestion, wasn't there? There was an idea that it might have been. I think we entertained the idea it might have been Lucy, and that uh, you know maybe what she'd done, she'd done deliberately. And I think, and uh, and I wouldn't have been surprised if it was that. I was quite pleasantly surprised that it wasn't because I think that 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 was better for her her ending. Um, but I I don't know what I expected. But there was there was no way it could ever be something hugely satisfying because there was no way it was going to make any sense beyond, oh, it's that random person we've never seen before. Because Not the ring. Is. I mean, I heard all the is. usual names doing the rounds, the Rani, you know. Everybody, nice. everybody always wants everything to be <laughs> fucking Rani. <laughs> Although if when, when Rani was announced out the, if the Sarah Monster. Jane adventures, the people went, it's the Rani. And you go, no, it's somebody called Rani, you fucking morons. <laughs> Honestly, if Jinx Monsoon turns out to be the Rani, uh, so one, I'll be like, I'm on board. If if who does Jinx Monsoon? Oh <laughs> yes, yes, that would be funny. The only person that could outcamp Kate O'Mara. Do you know I've never seen Jinx Monsoon in anything? She's hugely talented. But I think uh, I think Jinx Monsoon has a fabulous name. <laughs> that, uh, but that's stand all out, I that, know. That season of RuPaul, the standout queen oh, by a mile. Will it surprise you that I've never seen an episode of? RuPaul's Drag Race. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's but fun. I'm 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 looking forward to it to be and and you know I bet you in a year's time I'll be going. Well, of course I've always been a massive fan of the work of Jinx Monsoon. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Knight asks, "Why? Oh, this is interesting. Why do fans?" bitch about Jodie's doctor being sidelined in the timeless children and yet don't seem so bothered that Tennant is sidelined and then the and then dobbified in this um well let's leave away the uh of the um antagonistic phraseology <laughs> um uh, i mean i don't bitch about i don't say I, I try not to say anything no i don't say anything negative on online so i so my my views on uh I know that th- this wasn't the suggestion here. My my views on um, uh, the time as children are unrecorded, um, but I will posit this: that um, uh, that well, one I think it's more elegantly worked into the to the plotting and the the writing, 
um and, and we talked about how the exposition works a little bit more better a, a, a little bit better and also um it's not to facilitate a 15 minute monologue about the backstory essentially you know the equivalent of holiday snaps of you know the new invention of continuity um but but i do i do take i i you know i do take the i i i think the the comparison is not an unfair one that's being drawn and going well if you you know if you don't like one you you, you you if you are a fan of russell t davis and if you're one of the people you were that, just saying that, it that, weren't you? That, that celebrates russell t davis and disparages chris chibnall you have to acknowledge that that there is a similarity a similarity yeah. in what they've done in both of those things so um, we did acknowledge that while we were watching it as well didn't we that it was an odd choice to... yeah but what's what's the name of the tweeter sorry it uh it's daniel knight no sorry yeah daniel knight yes so, so I, I, I'm, I'm getting from the, the sort of phraseology that Daniel is a, is a fan of Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker, and, and has felt slightly slighted by the tenor of the criticism uh, yeah. of that, and is, and is defending his particular light. And I think, and, and I think it, it's not, it's not unfair of him to do so. And I'm sorry that, uh, that he feels that, um, you know, a lot of the conversation out there has, has, has kind of been a dig at. As either a story or an era or whatever that that he particularly likes, and that there might be a little bit of double standarding in there. I I do think um, that it does. We've said this in the episode that it does seem a bit of an odd choice to remove your very popular lead actor from such a vital episode to to such a big proportion. Uh, and if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize, you know the the master's holiday snaps you've got to criticize dobby the El the, the the house doctor um um but why do people bitch about one and not the other uh, uh it's, it's 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 probably because because we uh we love what we love and we don't like what we like and we try to intellectualize it sometimes and again often it's it's just a matter of taste but if if i was forced to defend um Russell T Davis's writing over Chris Chibnall's writing uh I would say I I I I think it is more artfully deployed when Russell does it and the action doesn't just kind of stop um and and also there are emotional consequences for it the whole strange thing about the timeless children thing is that the doctor essentially goes through all of that and then goes Oh, you know that seismic re rewriting of the show's DNA hasn't affected me essentially. Does isn't that the conclusion drawn at the end? It's yeah. kind of oh yeah, I'm still who I am. And you go then then that seems an awful lot of effort to go to to have to make no emotional journey whatsoever. Um, whereas I think with with Russell, it's sort of deployed for a for a a reason of of the emotional arc of the character that I think is more successful. It's very is interesting. In, in, it is fair in both cases. Um... The showrunners in the very next season finale, uh, Journey's End gave us two David Tennants to make up for it, and The Vanquishers gave us three Jodie Whittakers to make up for it. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's, they were saving them up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here he is. He's always got uh, a comment for you, Johnny Morris. Oh, Johnny Morris. 
<laughs> my main disappointment with last of the timelines was that we only got one song should the whole thing have been a dennis potter style musical well i mean as i say i love having music in doctor who i love a music do you know what? i i quite like i like it when you go on uh youtube and people have done doctor who montages to songs and things like that i love all of that i i love i like i mean i'm a big fan of dennis potter but I, I, I like, I, I like the bit in in the last episode of the Prisoner where they gun everybody down to all you need is love. I think, uh, I think having a, a a popular track and juxtaposing it with the insanity of Doctor Who uh, is is I'm I'm happy to see more of that sort of thing. Um, I mean, because they quite often in sort of Casualty and Holby City they'll have a a sad montage, won't they, to a drippy song? Well, which I which I think is a bit you know mawkish and a bit twee but but to have but to have a a a, a, a sort of crazy song um you know underscoring bizarre situations you, doctor allows you to do that and and yeah more uh a musical episode of a musical episode's almost become a cliche now but i'll um, eat my hat if there is not a musical episode in that first shoot to get our season yeah let's revisit this conversation yeah yeah it's almost a cliche now but I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe the thing to do instead of doing a musical episode is to do an episode where there's no dialogue, but it's all entirely like a pop video, where it's all just underscored by, by, by music, and it's all a load of set pieces. That that would be a challenge. That would be more of a challenge than a musical episode. Now, I think that's the I've next step. More of a comment here, but I think it's one we both agree with. Mark Donaldson uh, says, "Sims Master is the first time that Doctor Who remembers." what the character was meant to be the dark contrast of the doctor where Tennant is a charming ladies man sim is a cruel misogynist where Tennant is fizzing with energy sim is manic and unpredictable i agree with that entirely. i agree with that i think that's a really uh, eloquent summation oh there's a there's a ranking question here so many brilliant moments says daniel rawsley uh, but martha's exit and 15 satellites scene are just the best in terms of Sims' performances, do we prefer the urbane, sophisticated master of this finale, the mad dog homeless master in The End of Time, or the spiteful Delgado light master in The Doctor Falls? See, I don't think he does do a urbane and sophisticated in this, mm, which is no, which I is agree. which is why I'm slight, which is why it's 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 slightly nonplussed me in in places, even though there's there's nothing wrong with the performance. Um, I, I, I think he works as the really feral, uh, uh, you know, homeless, homeless chic master vibe later, and and I and I love the 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 face the 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 sort of double act with Missy. That's where I I think John Sim works best for me. Okie dokie. Uh, the British alien asks, "What does it say about the Tony Blair era?" Well, I mean, we we touched on this as well. It's it, it, it's not. I think it's not an accident that you have this, you know, smiley, uh, slick media operator of a politician who turns out to be, you know, not all he seems. Um, you know, Russell's very good at that sort of thing. And I think Doctor Who should do that sort of thing. But I think it does it better, best, when it does it with that kind of cheeky, cheeky subversive tone that Russell does than when it does it, than when it's very earnest and sort of wags its finger or tries to make a point. I think Doctor Who absolutely must have social comment in it, 
but it has to be the social comment of a sort of naughty graffiti rather than a leaflet. I like the simmering anger in some of that as well. Do you remember the speech that Anne Reid had at the end of Years and Years? The what, sorry? The the speech that Anne Reid had at the end. Oh, yeah, amazing. Beware the... What was it? Beware the clowns. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and yes, maybe I've actually slightly undersold Russell in those because, yes, he always... He has... There's a cheekiness uh, to a lot of his subversiveness. But yes, let us not... Uh, ignore the fact that it is also very very angry but again i think it's a testament to how that he does it because anger is a turn off so he, it's it's digestible anger it is anger disguised or it's there's a spoonful of scampishness to help the the anger go down do you know what i mean because because if something is overly preachy overly earnest or too cross then you're they, that 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 hampers you getting your message across Whereas if 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 you do it with a sense of verb and satire and um, uh, you know sort of cheekiness, it's uh, it's it subver- subversiveness. It's uh, I think it's much more effective. What what always makes me laugh, and it doesn't make me feel smart, is when people miss the joke. So when the Slovene turn out to be you know political windbags. And people yeah. were going, oh, they're just farting aliens. They're terrible. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. S-A-O-R-R. That's a mouthful. I was never really on board with Martha's crush. Some episodes it felt shoehorned in. Therefore, her second exit felt a bit odd. She more or less said, you didn't realise I've got a massive crush on you, so I'm leaving you because you don't see me that way. Well, I didn't read it that way. No, but I do understand what is it, Este double O Zim. Um, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, unease with the with the dynamic, because it it is a it, you know it is a it, it it is a hard one for the character if you're introduced as automatically, you have to not be a carbon copy of Rose. So of course they they change the dynamic up and go well. It's a it's an unrequited, you know, the doctor's still mooning over Rose and, and Martha's whole vibe is that she's wanting to be noticed and isn't. That's that's a that's a real that's a really disadvantageous thing to be. But you totally understand why that's the next dynamic that the show needs. Um so but, but I can understand why it doesn't work for some people because you know it is heavily compromised by what has what has gone before and what it needs to be reacting against uh and 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 it does mean poor old martha suffers a a, a little bit because it, it's it, it's not a very attractive character trait to be the the, the 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 unnoticed one is it you know and it does say she's brilliant and all of those you know things that the doctor says to his companion but it isn't the same relationship he had with both rose and donna maybe that's why yeah Martha's... well Do- yeah that because uh, again when donna comes in whoever it was going to be the next companion have to go well we've done the one that they both sort of love each other and can't say anything we've done the one where she loves him and he doesn't notice so what do we do now you know oh well they're just mates and 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 you ah well great yeah and that, that and that's much that's immediately much more fun it's uh, more fun and what i love about the dr donna dynamic is she doesn't really believe in herself and 
he's always telling her you know you're brilliant and and that just got me on board with her straight away that she's always got those doubts about herself and he well, just th- and the other very clever thing about donna is that she's awful <laughs> but again it we've said a, this we? it takes such a good writer to go <laughs> yeah she's awful but she's great yeah well i'll tell you what i'm going to round this off with two comments one very negative and one very positive Okay. It's just so how divisive this episode can be. So, so you've got half a dead crave, raven on your head and half a dead dove on your head. You're, you're, you're being the equal forces of light and darkness. Here we go. So the Lord Reverend Cole Ingenious Mo, oh, some great names here, Hello. said, I really hated it. The shriveled <laughs> Dr. Messiah Doctor was just silly. I was never a fan of Martha and the whole get everyone saying the Doctor thing was embarrassing. It really is the worst of Russell T. Davis. Gosh. Well. I, I respect see... you, but I don't agree with you. I, I, no, but I can see why I can see why it would provoke that reaction. I think particularly the the everybody chanting the doctor thing. If 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 you're not if you're not dialed into sort of the tone of of what that's after, I can absolutely see why you might think that's sort of pretty mawkish and horrible. But it works for me because of what he's driving at and, and what we've we've talked about before it, it, to a certain extent. But I can understand if you if you're not if you're not plugged into that why you, why it, it would be a real turnoff. I get I get I get that. And then Jackson Rees, who's a wonderful podcaster, I love his podcast uh, Two Hopper TV, uh, says Last of the Time Lords stretched everything Doctor Who could be and was when it aired. I absolutely loved it. It's always a special story for me. I wish you'd gone into more detail there because I'd like to hear that. Yeah, well. But we did say it's doing new things, isn't it? And new things are going to be divisive, bold yeah. things. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, when, you, when you're building on a success, you have to build on what's gone before, but also do different from what's gone before. And that's always going to be slightly jarring because when you like something, you sort of want it to be like it was when you liked it. But of course, if it does that, it gets repetitive and boring and familiarity breeds contempt. So it has to do something different. But because it's different, it then doesn't necessarily feel quite right, um, which is why it's always rewarding to come back and revisit this stuff when you're freed of the shackles of of, of the expectations of the time and the momentum of the time. And you can just watch a story uh, sort of on its own terms and really enjoy it. You know, What I love about the Rossi Davis era is it really some of it really looks back at what Doctor Who did before and updates it a bit, you know, based under Siege, Impossible Planet, you know, things like that. But at the same time, it completely catapults it into the modern age and does fresh and interesting things. I'll just pull one example out of a hat. Asking that question a companion has left with the Doctor, what questions are asked from the family and friends left behind that we never even thought of in 26 seasons before? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, the fact that Francine really hates him. <laughs> and Sylvia. Yeah, yeah. She. Well, we'll find out. Oh, enough. <laughs> well, okay. Our last task then is to, and I don't think it's going to be too difficult, choose three recommendations for the two episodes. Yeah. Why don't you go first? I, I think that overall feel of uh, 
urban thriller that that it is given by the 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 director and of course that's that's prompted by the the script but i think so the that 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 sort of you know city underground sharp suits you know um machine guns on the streets jackbooted police people stuff happening in politics the sort of the, it's it's like a sort of sci-fi episode of spooks and i think that 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 fits so well within doctor who and yet is never quite been done like that within doctor who and i think it fits that story and it's the first thing i think of when i think of that story is that kind of atmosphere given to it by the director and i i i think it's a really nice feeling that the story has a it's a, it's a lovely tone that the story has that i think really suits the script as well then my first thing is i sent you a message saying i think rusty davis is the master of the penultimate episode cliffhanger yeah. you know, bad wolf you've got the dalek scared because the doctor's coming in uh army of ghosts you've got the side or promise of the cybermen and the daleks and in the stolen earth well who's david tennant going to be next week you know he absolutely is brilliant but i think my favorite and the one i watched again and again in the lead up to the last episode is this one i think the whole set piece from when he says here comes the drums the the balls come down they start murdering everybody the doctor's been tortured martha's on her own it's so climactic it's so exciting i think he just knows how to uh, to sort of generate that feeling of excitement in people and to get them back next week so that's my first one uh i think that's a very very good choice uh, i am also going to choose a sequence uh, and it's everything that happens between uh, and including uh the master on the television saying uh every doctor and them turning the telly round and seeing the stick of dynamite uh and them them pulling away under that the, the hail of gunfire and ending up in the the under underpass underneath the bridge that whole sequence of um the explosion martha telling them i don't care i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go and get my family the, the heroic moment uh, of of uh, of Martha's dad and, and uh, with Francine yelling at him the and I'm sorry the 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 the, the sexy uh, mysterious lady uh, doing a take aim fire and all of that uh, or that whole sequence I think is every moment from the bit the bit of silence when they pull up and it's what's yeah. going to happen it's you know so from the sound the music the the shooting of it. The, the acting, the aesthetic, every the pacing, everything about that sequence. I when I'm watching the episode, I look forward to that bit coming up and I thoroughly enjoy every second of it when it happens. It just feels like every frame was considered, doesn't it, in that editing suite. Yeah, absolutely cracking. Uh my second one is gonna be Lucy Saxon. Because oh. I think it's really hard to be a character that compelling with that little dialogue. Yeah, and the idea of giving the master a wife is enticing anyway, but the sort of very creepy, dark undertones there—the bruise on her eye—and mm. like I said, my eye was just constantly drawn to her in every single scene, and the fact that she gets to fire the gun at the end as well, yeah, is a nice part. She's just a brilliant, brilliant character, well played. I was going to say well written, but she doesn't get a lot to say. No, she's it's it's she's really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's the scope there in the script, but it takes a, 
it takes a good actress and i and you know you wonder how much they saw of that in the edit and went my god she's doing some great stuff here let's let's pop this in let's pop that you know because i suspect if you read the script and looked at how many lines she'd got you go oh christ there's nothing here um but of course it it, it can be layered into the script in, instead um but also it, it means that the actress has obviously turned up and and, and done a lot of work and, and uh and definitely deserves the screen time that she gets and and and, and puts in some makes some really interesting and as you say quite alarming in places choices weird moment where she dances at the end of the sound yeah. of drums as everybody's being killed yeah yeah no, i want to know what's going on in her head at that point well done alexandra moen mm. it's very it's a very good piece of work um yeah ah well i mean i'm sport for choice because this is my last one is um you know i i i, I love vivian rook uh you know nicola mccauliffe I think I will choose her actually, um, because I think she's brilliant, uh, and it's a it's a real masterclass in you know what to do with a very limited. It's a it's a beautifully written part, and it's it's not a small part. It's just it's condensed, um, and obviously it's a good enough part to get a a very good actress to do it. I was going to choose that that piece of music, the uh, all the strange strange creatures, because I love that, and as I say, I. I, I I play it a lot and pretend to be a Doctor Who because I'm a child, but um, I'm I'm drawn this time. I'm drawn to to to, to Vivian Rook because I think, and because of the way that that the interactions that she has go through every every tone in such a small space of time. The breezy, she's oh she's a breezy larger than life character. She's going to be fun. Oh God, no, she's doing the conspiracy secret stuff. Uh, oh, that's quite exciting. That's new layer. Oh, she's absolutely terrified, and she's showing the threat of the master. Oh, and then she gets a sort of slightly dark comedy death. It's all there, and yet insane, and it all works together. So it's it's a testament to how many different things you can do within the you know the context of Doctor Who, and and it's still all weirdly fit together because the fact that some of these shows have this broad range of things going on and they don't come across as a total mess um shows a real control of 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 tone and tempo and i think again you'd only notice this if it was bad so the fact that all this stuff happens and we don't notice it unless we're really thinking about it and talking at great length about it shows so much of the work that is done on some of these shows because making good television is hard especially when it's good television that's asking a lot more of its the people making it than most television that that we you know i think we sometimes take for granted just how cleverly some of this stuff is 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 pulled off um and i think that's a great that's a great example of it so yeah the vivian rook and and that, and that that you know all, all the different things that that just one thread uh gives us and i always forget that you see her again when she's recorded that on the message. screen it's yeah, always a surprise yeah. to me well she even gets a comedy death as well there's so much yeah. happening. I know. <laughs> let's not for, let's not forget how many times she's exploited that scream okay oh, great good for her and she, yeah and she's she's good she's good value uh nicola mccauliffe if my brief meeting with her is anything to go by she's a good egg
I don't get the impression she doesn't need the work in those conventions either. That she just no. loves coming along and telling her stories. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. very generous. She's just very generous with everybody with her time. Good. Yeah. Good for her. Marvelous. And she was excellent in this stage play I saw with her and uh Julian Glover and Sheila Reed. I mean, what a triumvirate of talent. Yeah. Then for my last one, I'm going to choose Martha's exit. Because it, I think it is a. I think Russell Davis. We talked about this in season two, the sort of long game with the Doctor and Rose, and you know the punishment stroke payoff at the end of that. And I think he's doing the same thing here. And I think he knows he's going to cheese some people off in scenes in the Shakespeare Coat and things like that, where the Doctor's in the bed alongside Martha, completely dismissing her, you know, and she's giving him moon eyes. But Martha does turn a corner halfway through the season where she just goes, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm 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 off. And he's like, no, I'm giving you a key. And and that's what the moment where he's really acknowledging her. Then we get human nature and the family of blood, which plays on the whole thing of unrequited love in a whole new way and brilliantly. And then we're sort of leading into this where she really comes into her own and decides that her family is actually more important than anything. Um and so many of these companion endings, I think, are so overblown. Or I just, I, I'm not, not sure how to feel about them. I don't know how to feel about Amy and Rory going back into the past and the Doctor not being able to visit them when they could probably just go to another town. I'm not sure how to feel about um, Clara Oswald travelling around time and space, cheating death in a diner with the woman at the end of time. And I'm certainly not sure how to feel about Bill Potts traveling time and space with her lesbian puddle lover. I, I, don't, I don't think about any of that stuff. It's just all such weird endings. Mm. Um, I know the, the Rose ending broke my heart. The Donna ending broke my heart. And Rusty Davis is the person to do that. But this is the one which is just really positive and subtle and and beautifully written. Very real. As I said, I've used it in my life. Um, to sort of demonstrate to somebody get out of that relationship, it really, really moves me. And I, I, what's baffling is it shows you how much I kind of matured as a TV watcher because I found it a bit dull at the time. And now I just think it's really celebratory. The way she sort of walks out of the TARDIS with her head held high, mm. having come in out of that season as a better person. And, you know, it's very different from when Graham and Ryan decide to go in Revolution of the Daleks it almost just feels like, well, we've had enough. We're off. Yeah. You know, and Dan in, in Power of the Doctor, I did love all those characters, but he just like, you know, I had, I had one dangerous scrape, so I'm off, despite the fact that I've been having dangerous scrapes ever since I stepped into the TARDIS. None of it's all... His is entirely, I'm going on tour. <laughs> yeah. but and, none and, of it rings true and, and, and graham and ryan are very much we've decided not to review renew our contracts <laughs> because we were being underused you know i did at least like graham's do you know what i would like to keep traveling but he's my grandson and i'm gonna go with him i did really like that but yeah so this is my favorite and i think it's worth celebrating for all of those reasons it's a great scene I th and I think your uh, advocacy is uh, is on the money there. I I completely buy that, and I yeah, quite right. It, it is. It's 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 great, and it's it's refreshing, and it's original, and it's uh, it's 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 a it's a good version of uh, of of how to have a companion exiting well. Yep, bang on. 
one of these days, you know, I'd love to unpick with you what you think about all those other bizarre endings, but <laughs> not today. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, well, we will, we will, I'm sure, uh, yes, visit those. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about them, to be honest. I mean, I, I feel that the, 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 uh, the Clara one and the Bill one are essentially the same. Mm. The, the the person is died, but is miraculously sort of resurrected, but as a compromised version. You know, they can't go back to their own life because of um, the price that has been paid for the resurrection, and so they end up traveling through space and time with um, a, a certain sapphic undertone uh, of a of a character they've in, encountered. So there's there's a lot of similarity, and I. In 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 a setup that I'm find slightly unsatisfying as as a resolution anyway, and and to have that happen twice seems um a, a bit of you know I don't I don't buy the oh I'm relieved my favorite character isn't actually dead if what it means is they aren't human anymore don't have a heartbeat and can't do any of the nice things that we do as humans it means that the much loved actress you know lives to perform that character another day but the the reality of the for the actual character is i'm not a person anymore um seems to me an odd tonally an odd victory and there's just so only so many times i can accept that you know this beloved character is dead oh no wait they're not before yes, well, i just stop believing anybody's dead yes indeed it's 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 a it's an act of diminishing returns, uh, unfortunately. And in fact, when Clara died in the Raven one, I thought, well, I know she's going to come. I know she's going to come back. I've seen that, that cover of Doctor Who magazine where she was dressed up as the waitress and that hadn't happened yet. So, yeah. <laughs> in fact, you know what? I'll very quickly say in The Woman Who Fell to Earth when Grace died and we had the funeral and that coda, and I was like, oh, okay. We're doing something different now. People stay dead in this version of Doctor Who. Ah, uh, whereas I, uh, uh, because because all of the posters uh, and all of the publicity said, well, these are the new companions and this is the new Doctor. When you go, well, who's the one person that is any of them? <laughs> well, well, she's toast, isn't she? You know, she, she's she's not been announced as a as a as a regular character. Um, and she, she did appear in the last one as a ghost. You know, yeah. <laughs> Oh dear, uh, yeah. Toby! This has been a an epic four hour recording. Well, I'm sorry about that. For a know. ninety minute, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't you dare apologize. It has been an absolute treasure as ever. Well, I hope your listeners enjoy it. I can almost guarantee that they will, um, and I'm hoping. The thing we mentioned within the recording that you will pop back. I know you have already covered midnight, but I'm sure we can unearth some oh, new yeah. treasures as we go through it. It's quite possibly my favourite uh, David Tennant era story. Yeah. Well, so I turn left, actually. Uh, well, that's yes. It's I, it's hard for me to choose a favourite because there's so much that's that's good but yeah and and at the time i i think i was um that run of tooth and claw to school reunion to girl in the fireplace to me just seemed oh so I mean, but actually and, and and whereas midnight the first time i you know i thought it was interesting and curious but i thought it's not really like an episode of doc two midnight is one that as every time i've come back to it 
I've I've enjoyed it more and more and more and more. It's one that's really grown on me, uh, and it's I think it's probably one of my favourites too. But I I do like all the season finales as well, and I, Human Nature and Family Blood. But no, Midnight is is very very special. I'm perfectly convinced that Lindsay Coulson's character is the biggest monster in the entire series. Oh. That, she terrifies me. Oh, she's so good. And that, that brilliant piece of acting when she says, I knew it was her. And then looks, <laughs> but then 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 at least looks a little bit ashamed as well. Mm. So oh, yeah, I wanted to oh. wring someone's neck, you know, reach into the telly more. So good. So good. Well, we'll unpick that in the future. Uh, I just need to, to say thank you so much for your time again. You're an absolute gem. Thanks for having me.